This is The Huddle, presented by the Midwest Christian Boys Football Camp, otherwise known as Man Camp. Welcome to The Huddle. Hey friend, welcome to The Huddle. I'm your host, Mike McCurry, and I'm joined again this week by a guest. I have none other than Pastor Jay Griggs with us. He's going to give us his testimony as we begin this week of broadcasts. We've got to get out of the way because people will comment. I didn't tell Brother Griggs that this was a video podcast, a video okay. version. And so so I do have a question, though. Even though you didn't know, why do you have a red shirt on? I, I, I've got to ask. You, don't you just wear green underwear? And, and like, isn't like the, the Hulk your spirit animal and like you're always about green all the time? Or three, the 51 weeks out of the year? You allow yourself some liberties. Believe it or not, Micah, the only time I wear a green shirt <laughs> is during football camp. So it's actually out of your norm. It is. It is. But it, it's, it's ride or die green at football camp besides that. And so I didn't tell him. So to help supplement, I added some green lights in the background if you're watching on YouTube. But we've got that out of the way. Tell us about your testimony. Of course, you didn't really grow up with the you know, stereotypical Christian home to some degree. And so there's a lot of boys right. probably listening, come to football camp, have a similar background. So talk to us for a minute about that. Yes, I was uh, saved at the age of 17, and I did not grow up in a good, godly Christian home. Um, the, I was raised primarily by my mom and my stepfather most of my life. Uh, a lot of different abuse in the home, uh, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, uh, physical abuse, verbal abuse, mental abuse, any kind of abuses that are out there today, pretty much most of it was included in the home in which I grew up in. Uh, when I was 17 years old, ultimately, I had become a product of the environment that I was raised in. Obviously, you have an ungodly home uh, where God is not the focus and the center of the home. Um, morality was bad. Um, a lot of different things, but whenever I was 17 years old, I was in the ninth grade. It wasn't because I was intellectually challenged by any means. Uh, it was simply for the fact that I was in, involved in gangs and drugs, um, a lot of fighting. I was skipping school oftentimes, uh, but I remember being 17, kind of being kicked out, but kind of being asked to leave. It, it was a mutual thing, so I left, and I went to go live with several friends, went to live with one friend, got kicked out, went to live with another friend, got kicked out. And uh, the last few days that I was um, there in the state of Texas where I grew up at, I grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth area, but um, I was living on the streets actually. Uh, matter of fact, one of the last nights that I lived in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas, uh, I slept on a basketball court, Brother Micah, mm. and I used a backpack for a pillow. But I remember I called my father who lived in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and uh, I called him Collect. Back in those days, you had pay phones, and you mm -hmm. can still do that. But uh, I called him Collect, and um, he answered the phone, accepted the call. And I said, Dad, you know, I am living on the streets. I really pretty much have no place to go, I'm having issues with my mom and in the home. And he said to me, son, he said, you can come live with me, but uh, I got two rules. Number one, you obey the rules of my house. And number two, you go to church every time mm -hmm. we go to church. And I thought, well, you know, it's only going to be Sunday morning. I, I can handle that. <laughs> and I had been to church prior to going to live with my dad a handful of times, primarily just to go with my friends or check out the girls or whatever. And uh, so I thought I can handle it. So he paid for a plane ticket for me to fly from 
Fort Worth, Texas to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I'll never forget getting off the plane. Um, I, I had um, a bag full of my clothes and I had my hair slicked back and I had my earring in and my necklace on and my baggy clothes. And I just thought I was a cool dude. And I remember getting off the airplane and uh, he said, okay, now before you go any further, you need to take your earring out. And so I took my earring out and I gave it to him. And um, so flew or uh, drove home, I actually flew into New Orleans and we drove home is about an hour from New Orleans to Baton Rouge. That was on Tuesday. And then the following Wednesday, um, he said, okay, they're going teen soul winning. And I was like, okay, what's teen soul winning? Never knew that. So you're going to have to go since your stepbrothers are going. So I went with them and there I was as a teenager, baggy clothes. Uh, I remember I had literally brother Mike and my pants were sagging like halfway to my bottom. <laughs> and I had one of those, in those days, the braided belts were real mm, popular mm. and you would take it and you would obviously I'd make it as tight as I could be. And then they were, there was probably two feet of length past <laughs> that. So would take it and there was a certain way that you'd braid it. And uh, there I was going soul winning. I was the silent partner. And uh, then we went to McDonald's. Uh, I, the only reason why I was like, okay, cool, because they said, here's some money. You can go to McDonald's after soul winning. Mm-hmm. So then we went to uh, church that night. I'll never forget uh, going to church, sitting down uh, with folks and uh, sat down. And I kind of hunched back like this, like a teenager would, you know, how they, I, th- I just thought I was a cool dude. And uh, there were people that came up to me and that said, hey, you know, we've been praying for you. We're glad you're here, put their arms around me and uh, gave me a hug and different things of that nature. But uh, I, I thought to myself, who are these people? I never, I don't, I don't know you and you're praying for me. But needless to say, my, my father on a regular basis during Wednesday night prayer meeting would ask people to pray for his lost son who lived mm-hmm. in Texas for many, many, many uh, months and even years wow. that he requested prayer requests for me. And uh, so I went to church and as I was going to church, now my pastor was uh, Brother Bobby Cannon, and uh, as I was going to church, um, well, let me let me back up. So the Thursday after that Wednesday, Brother B. Cannon came by and he dropped off um, he dropped off a bed for me because I'd slept on the floor in in our house at night, and uh, he he introduced himself and talked to me a little bit and. I laid out, he said, how you doing? I laid out all these things that were wrong with my life, all these different things. And I just told him, you know, I dealt with this and I dealt with that. And he, he, you know, I was just laying out how I was a victim of everything. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me and if you knew Brother Buchanan, he was not the emotional type of person by any means. He just looked at me and he's like, okay, are you done yet? And I said, yes, sir. I said, yeah. And he said, no, it's yes, sir. Okay. And I was like, okay, (laughs) yes, sir. And uh, he said, well, you could choose to be a victim all your life or you could choose to be a victor. And that spoke to me as a teenage boy who'd never Mm. been confronted by a real man Mm. about how to deal with problems. So anyway, I went through church and Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday morning, teen soul winning, revivals, different things like that. And over the course of time, I changed my clothes. I changed my life. I changed my mouth, the way that I talked. I changed my music. But it was about six months after that 
uh, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, seven months after I got there that I realized that I needed to be saved. And it was there uh, November 8th of 1996, there at 3134 Quebec Drive in Baton Rouge, mm. Louisiana. On my floor that night, laying next to my bed, uh, I trusted the Lord as my Savior, was baptized the next Sunday. Shortly thereafter, uh, Ron Garris came to preach a revival, and I surrendered to preach then. And uh, I'll never forget Brother Garris laying hands on me that night and just, you know, praying, oh, God, use this young man. I thought to myself, okay, all right, maybe I'll just do something. Brother Buchanan, uh, he... he uh, he was not emotional. So whenever I told him, hey, I, I surrendered to preach, he's like, okay, well, I pray that God uses you. That was it. No going before the church. No, everyone clap for him, cheer yeah, for him, yeah, anything yeah. like that. And uh, so anyway, long story short, because I was the new person in the youth group, even though I got saved. Now, the youth group at that time, uh, they didn't have a youth pastor, Brother Micah. They had a man filling in who did a, the best job he possibly could. They had a man filling in as a youth leader, but the youth group was really carnal, involved in, 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 in alcohol and fornication and all sorts of stuff. And I was, because I was the new Christian, because I was a carnal person, I was starting to get involved in that. And then some of it was coming out mm -hmm. in the youth group, who was doing what, preacher was dropping the hammer, you know, different things like that. And I thought to myself, you know what, I, I got saved out of this. Right. I was brought out of this situation and now I'm going back into it, but this time it's in the realm of Christianity. Mm. And uh, I was starting to get in trouble, and I didn't want to face the music. So I thought to myself, you know what, if this is Christianity, I could still be saved and, and go back to right. Texas. And so I was actually, I had my mind made up. I was going to go back to Texas, just be saved and find the church, and mm. you know, that was it. And uh, I had my bags packed, and then... There was an evangelist the next Sunday morning. Um, this was on a Saturday. I determined, hey, I was going to go back to Texas. There was an evangelist that came in Sunday morning by the name of Tim Booth. Hmm. And I never heard of this guy. Uh, he presented this ministry. Now, this was back in 1996. Been or No, it was the beginning of 97, so, so it was January. Third year, maybe. January and he talked about football camp and I was still of age and had the ability to go there and play but I played public school football and I thought you know it's just a little you know rinky-dink camp and and different things like that but I didn't realize it was more than just about football but I want to go back to the message that he preached on that Sunday morning he preached a message out of uh, the book of Colossians in chapter one um, and it was basically entitled for when life knocks you down. And it, the message was pushing through perseverance. Mm. And I made the decision that morning that I wasn't going to go back to camp mm. I was, or go back to Texas, right. that I was going to go forward and push through the adversity that I myself have created right. um, and uh, just stick with it. Amen. And uh, because of that decision, you know, I'm, I'm where I'm at today. And to this very day... I, that was the first time I heard of Brother Booth. That was the first time that I heard him preach. And I was thinking about it wasn't until like several years, two, three years later that I heard Brother Booth again, but it was during that tenure that I was in Bible college. Mm. He came to the college I went to, Providence Baptist College. He was preaching in chapel. And uh, I, I said, I, I don't know if you remember me or you don't even know me. I don't know you. Um, but uh, I laid out that story. 
and he got a tear in his eyes and he said, you know, I go to these churches just a Sunday sometimes, never know who, who I am involved with or who's listening and who I make a difference in. Wow. But uh, that meant the world to him that uh, I did that. And, and to this very day, I, I believe that was a very pivotal moment in my right. Christian life after I got saved as a young person. Uh, just to uh, uh, be willing to allow someone like Brother Booth to influence me. Mm. And, you know, that was 20, so that was in 97, so that was 26 years ago. And I'll, I'll say this, from 26 years ago, the Brother Booth that I met 26 years ago is still the same Brother Booth Amen. that I know today in 2023. Very, very consistent man. So in, in a nutshell, um, you know, that was whenever I was saved and how God started working in my life as a young man. Amen. What a blessing to hear a story of God's grace. We're going to yeah. continue the remainder of this week with Pastor Griggs. Excited to talk about you sent some boys yourself to football camp. You brought young men from your churches to football camp. And it's amazing to see how a seed that was planted by one of the founders and directors of Man Camp today and as you said, he's a man that's continuing to influence young men for the cause of Christ today the same way he was 26 years ago. And to see this multi-generational thing, kind of a partnership of generations. I'm excited to continue in the huddle. If this story was a blessing to you, pass it on to someone. Share the link with someone. Let them know. And you should consider coming to the Midwest Christian Boys Football Camp. If you need more information, Man Camp 1994org That's Man Camp 1994 .org. Brother Griggs is sticking around all this week. God bless. Thank you for listening to The Huddle. You can find more information and register for Man Camp online at mancamp1994.org. Man Camp is a ministry of the First Baptist Church in Dwight, Illinois. Join us next time in The Huddle.